I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. My name is Mark Daly, I'm your host, and it's a race weekend. Looking forward to getting back to it, and I love starting the show off like this. We are just now three hours and 15 minutes away from FP1 at Spa-Francorchamps for the uh, for the Belgian Grand Prix, one of my favorite circuits. Really looking forward to this one. And uh, it's funny, you know, with the, the weird, obviously strange year that we've had and the fact that we've basically been uh, uh, racing nonstop now since the beginning of uh, July, the odd weekend that we've had since we started with the, the, the Austrian Grand Prix back on, what was it, July 5th or thereabouts? It seems like it's been a long time in between, but uh, really happy to get back to it uh, this, this weekend. And we got a jam-packed show today, and we finally have uh, the, the the rest of the season confirmed. 17 races, we're going to get into that uh, shortly, but uh, we're coming up on another triple-header weekend with uh, Spa next week in Monza, and then uh, Mugello for the Tuscan Grand Prix in uh, just over a couple of weeks from now on uh, September 11th. And then we get a bit of time off in between before we go to Russia, Nürburgring, uh, Portimao, and then back to Imola, the Turkish Grand Prix, then Bahrain for a double header, and then uh, we're heading off to Abu Dhabi for the uh, season finale on uh, what is it? Uh, I think it's December 16th or something like that. Uh, quite a ways off, and a fantastic job considering that everything that has happened around the world with COVID over the past uh, six months or so, the fact that we're still going to get a 17 race schedule that's only going to end about two weeks later than usual because uh, the, uh, the, the season finale. Finale always typically goes about last week in November, first weekend in December, depending on the year. But uh, just uh, amazing that they've been able to cobble together a schedule. But anyways, let's start in the news uh, right now. We have uh, news that uh, former team principal uh, Flavio Briatorio, who was the uh, team principal at Benetton and then uh, uh, in the early 2000s in uh, with uh, Renault, and that's where Michael Schumacher won his first two uh, world championships with uh, Benetton 25 years ago. Ago, God, that makes me feel uh, old to say that. And then he was team principal at Renault in 2005 and 2006 when uh, Fernando Alonso won his uh, double world titles. And then uh, he left uh, F1 in somewhat uh, controversial circumstances in 2008 after Nelson Piquet Jr. deliberately crashed at the Singapore Grand Prix in 2008 to help uh, Fernando uh, win the race. Anyways, uh, Briatore has 
has been uh, diagnosed with uh, COVID-19 and has been uh, transferred uh, to the San Rafael Hospital in Milan uh, on Monday of this week uh, because of uh, complications uh, caused uh, by, by, by COVID. There's been no official statement on his uh, condition, uh, but uh, it's been a speculator reported in L'Espresso News uh, that uh, it says that uh, he's in serious condition, but he is not in uh, intensive care at the moment. So it, uh, his, uh, his sickness comes uh, in the wake of a, a controversy in Italy around the closure of his uh, billionaire club in uh, Porto Servo, which has been a real center for, uh, for COVID. Uh, around 60 members of, uh, or staff members from the club have uh, tested positive uh, recently. And uh, then uh, Briatore was in a friendly soccer game uh, there with uh, VIPs, including Bologna coach uh, Sinisa Mihailovic, who also uh, tested positive uh, for, for COVID. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, not uh, not great news uh, to hear. I believe he's in his early 70s now, uh, if I uh, if I remember uh, reading that uh, correctly. And uh, if you look at some of the pictures, he looks like an old 70. I mean, doesn't really look very much like the, uh, the, the Briatore that I remember from about 15 years ago, but, uh, you know, saying that as it, I mean, of course, 70 is getting up there a little bit, but I know people of similar age that, uh, don't look quite so, let's say weathered as uh, Flavio, but anyway, so hopefully, uh, he recovers soon and, uh, he's back to normal, obviously, uh, contracting COVID. And, uh, if you get symptomatic, uh, symptomatic, if you're in a hospital, not a good situation. Anyways, uh, Lewis Hamilton, the six-time world champion, says that uh, this 2020 Formula One season so far has been uh, what he calls a lonely journey in uh, what he's uh, tried to do to stay clear of any uh, unnecessary risk or exposure to COVID-19. And I guess that was highlighted a little bit uh, by uh, the, the, the fact that Sergio Perez had to miss the two races at Silverstone a couple of uh, races ago after uh, you know testing positive uh, for COVID after he went back to Mexico uh, for a couple of, uh, just for, for a short visit. He had some... Uh, things to take uh, care of there. Anyways, um, Perez never de- developed uh, symptoms. He insisted, despite uh, reports and speculation to the contrary, that uh, he did follow all the protocols and didn't uh, uh, try to expose himself uh, unnecessarily. But anyways, um, Hamilton, he's always been a pretty busy guy. He's pretty intense, uh, obviously, on race weekends. But, you know, he, he has a lot of outside interest with uh, music, fashion. He loves to travel. I mean, you, you see uh, lots of uh, pictures he posts on Instagram. I mean, he goes to us a lot loves it in the usa anyways uh he said uh, because of the, the the busy 2020 schedule that they've had with uh six races and seven weekends which uh, you know is great for us uh formula one fans but obviously uh pretty intense and and, and pretty hectic for for the drivers and uh, all the team staff and everybody that uh you know participates in these uh the, these events and he said uh, he's living in in a bubble with uh you know very limited contact outside you know his uh people and his uh his inner circle which uh you know, it's like uh, like a lot of us are doing, but uh, Lewis, he's uh, obviously uh, taking it uh, to the next, uh, you know, to the next uh, level. But uh, he's uh, pretty much spent the last two months of uh, the, the the year living in the motorhome that that he has at the race venues with his uh, with his trainer Angela Cullen, and uh, he says it hasn't been very easy to change the usual routine that he has, uh, you know, and still trying to keep uh, his focus on uh, winning the uh, you know the the, the championship. And uh, he said it's been a big challenge. He says uh, that he knows that everybody's in the same boat. And, uh, you know, and he says it can be a, a very lonely journey. And uh, he had to say, uh, quote, that's magnified this year, obviously having to limit people who are in your bubble and, of course, moving around. What I used to do in the past was 
traveling was uh, the other things I was finding positive, but getting to be around friends, getting to be the, find that uh, perfect balance is here. It's much, much harder to implement those other things to help keep that balance. I don't know. It's hard to put the words together, but everyone's doing it. I think it's a real challenge and a real test mentally for me, uh, for me personally. I don't know how it is for you guys, maybe seeing your families and stuff, but I'm not end quote. So yeah, I can imagine it must be a uh, very, very difficult. And I mean, there, there's been some criticism from other drivers, you know, for other drivers like uh, Charles Leclerc and Valtteri Bottas. I mean, Charles was, uh, t- you know, seen taking pictures. Uh, you know, we went back uh, to Monaco. I think it was him in between the two races that they had in in uh, in Austria. It might have even been between Austria and Hungary. But um, you know, Charles, uh, you know, was, uh, posing uh, for for pictures and stuff like that. And you know, there there has been some warnings, uh, you know, handed out or given to some of the different teams for some of these things. You know, that they have to really abide and stick to the uh, the, the strict protocols. Which, you know, in all, all fairness, I mean. Um, I was a little bit uh, skeptical that uh, they'd be able to find something uh, to pull off and, and make it work uh, once they, they got back uh, and confirmed that we were going to start racing back in July. But uh, they've done a pretty good uh, job so far. I mean, they said that in, in contrast to what we saw with the cancellation of the Australian Grand Prix back in March when we had a, a team member uh, from McLaren test positive back then led to the cancellation of the whole event and everything like that. And the, the basically at the last minute after it seemed like uh, when we've uh, heard the, some of the stories that uh, have come out uh, subsequently that uh, it sounded like they'd all agreed to and then uh, they pulled the plug at the very last moment. But Obviously, uh, you know, for, from a health standpoint, uh, the experts, uh, you know, in science and medicine and every, and people like that, uh, who are obviously a lot smarter than me when, it, and a lot more knowledgeable when it comes to, uh, things like, uh, COVID-19 infectious disease, obviously understand it a, a lot better now. Uh, maybe not completely, uh, but, uh, obviously they understand, uh, a lot more than they did, uh, this spring. And, uh, I'm really glad that they've uh, been able uh, to do it, but, uh, interesting comments from Lewis. Nonetheless, it's interesting to see, um, uh, you know, get a, a small window inside, uh, you, you know, uh, what, what, uh, some of these, uh, drivers are going through, because I think obviously, uh, you know, we, we associate, uh, formula one with the good life and, uh, you know, jet setting lifestyle. And, uh, you know, obviously the, these guys, uh, do, uh, you know, live a lot more extravagantly like <laughs> than most of us do. And, uh, certainly, uh, it, it must be difficult though i mean uh, to, to 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 remain so focused and maybe not have those uh things that uh you know r- regardless what sort of lifestyle you're living you know it's hard to stay on the edge and focus like that and and not maybe have some of the distractions and some of the things maybe not distractions but some of the escapes to to, to maybe just pull yourself away and because I, I, I think that uh, being on the edge like that uh for for the long run um you know i think it can affect you mentally no matter how good you are and we, we know that lewis is you know when it mentally and, and focused wise is the strongest that, that there is but uh, still you need to step away from time to time and, and focus on something else because uh, being hyper focused on any goal I think is uh, can be uh, you know difficult uh, in, the, in the long run I mean you know the, these guys are on the edge and especially I mean he's chasing down Michael Schumacher's uh, record uh, of seven world championships and uh, he's in a pretty good uh, position uh, right now anyways uh, Max Verstappen the Red Bull uh, driver uh, says that nine races in 11 weeks is uh, pushing Formula One absolutely to the limit and uh, he's really hoping that uh, that next year in 2021 that uh, we'll, we'll get back to a more uh, regular schedule and uh, I, I completely agree like I was saying just 
now. It's it's awesome for us that uh, you know we have a race to look forward to uh, every weekend, and uh, it does feel weird that uh, that we've had this uh, this week off uh, in between the, the the last two races. But uh, you know, having said that, it you know it is a lot of work, and uh, especially even though that they've been uh, you know racing at the same venues or you know relatively uh, or venues that are relatively close together. I mean, it's still I mean it's a lot of work to do uh, to, to to keep it going. But uh, Max uh, says that uh, that he knows that they need to uh, race, and but he, he says on the on the, the flip side of that, he says that uh, these uh, triple header weekends of uh, three races and three weekends is uh, pretty intense. And this even goes back a couple of years ago when we had what was it the, the British, German, and French uh, Grand Prix, the first year that uh, that Paul Ricard was back on the circuit uh, uh, on the calendar. So I guess we're looking at 2018. That that triple header weekend, uh, which was uh, the the first that we've seen in recent times, was uh, was great for all of us. I mean, all, all the sports nerds out there, uh, it was uh, fantastic because you had that, you had the World Cup, you had the Tour de France, you had baseball going on, all these cool things going on at the same time. But uh, it's uh, really uh, pushing it uh, to the limit. But you know, it's it's also interesting too because uh, they they keep saying and and Ross Braun and some of the other brass at uh, at Formula One, they reckon that they could extend it beyond uh, the twenty two race season that we were supposed to have this year and uh the, i think they, they they reckon that they could even push it up uh, to as much as uh as 25 uh, races a year which uh, seems pretty ambitious uh because uh you know to to get that in if we're, we're still looking at the, the 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 regular you know mid-march to end of november schedule you gotta like cram another three races into to that you're either gonna have to lengthen the season you know start a couple of weeks earlier or end another couple of weeks later and have uh more of these uh you know these uh, double triple header weekends double headers we see quite uh, quite uh, quite often but uh, the triple headers obviously this year is a completely different circumstance from a, from a regular year but uh, you know a lot of work uh, to get these uh, all done Anyways, like I was saying off the top of the show, Turkey has been uh, confirmed as uh, the 17th race of the year. And uh, they've also confirmed the schedule going up uh, to the end of uh, the, the year. So just a quick uh, rundown. Uh, obviously, we have a, a number of races under our belt. We have the doubleheader in Austria. We have the Hungaro Ring, the doubleheader with the, the British and 70th Anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone. Uh, we just got the, the Spanish Grand Prix uh, under our belt uh, the week before last at Barcelona. Coming up on Spa this weekend, Monza next weekend, uh, Mugello in, uh, for the Tuscan Grand Prix on the, the, the weekend of the 11th to 13th of uh, September. Then we get a, a small break in between. Then we're going to the Sachi Autodrome for the Russian Grand Prix September 27th. Following that up with uh, the Nürburgring, Portimao, then Imola, then Turkey on November 15th, then uh, a doubleheader on the weekend of uh, November 29th, and then December 6th at, uh, at in uh, Bahrain, and then the, the traditional season finale at uh, Abu Dhabi at uh, the Yas Marina circuit on uh, the weekend of December 13th. So uh, again, I think this is a really awesome. Uh, glad that they've uh, been able uh, to do that. And, um, you know, as much as I think that it was wise to have these uh, doubleheader weekends, especially in the beginning of the year, I was really hoping that we might be able to, to sneak in one of these other uh, sort of uh, postponed races at the uh, the end of the year. Uh, you know, Vietnam was uh, being mentioned uh, and, and some other venues, but it just didn't work out. So, you know, I, I, Bahrain, it, it works. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain considering everything that's uh, gone on, but I, I'm glad to see a real uh, variation in there. I think it's really cool 
cool to see these uh, these tracks that we we've never seen before or haven't been around for a while. Really looking forward to seeing the Nurburgring again. Really looking forward to going to Emila and Istanbul again, and uh, certainly uh, some of these uh, new ones like uh, Mugello and Portimao. That is going to be uh, really cool. So uh, big props uh, to, to Formula One and uh, Chase Carey, uh, the F1 CEO, had to say uh, earlier this week, "quote We are proud to announce that Turkey, Bahrain, and Abu Dhabi will be part of our 2020 season. This year is presented Formula One and the world with an unprecedented challenge, and we want to pay tribute to everyone across Formula One, the FAA, the teams, and our partners who have made it possible. While we are all disappointed that we have not been able to return to some of our planned races this year, we are confident our season has started well and will continue to deliver plenty of excitement with traditional as well as new races that will entertain all of our fans." End quote. So there you go. Certainly, I think they've done a wonderful job to get this all sorted out and really looking forward to it. Anyways, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And sticking on the theme of uh, new races and canceled races and postponed races, Zandvoort, which was uh, going to host the the, the Dutch Grand Prix uh, this year for the first time in 35 years. Uh, So, you know, do the math, uh, mid-1980s. Uh, obviously to only get uh, scratched off of the, the calendar because of the, uh, the, the pandemic uh, situation. They said that they're open to having a slot later next year in 2021 uh, to, uh, so they can get uh, fans in attendance uh, for the race. I mean, obviously part of the big push to get uh, Zanfort uh, back on the schedule is because obviously the Dutch have a, a rock star Max Verstappen uh, you know, at the top of Formula One and uh, you could uh, be guaranteed he would have about 50 50 to 100 uh, extra horsepower, you know, figuratively uh, speaking, <laughs> with the home supports, with all the, the Dutch fans, and uh, the real shame that that uh, got cancelled. Anyways, um, they had an event at Sanford uh, earlier this week, and uh, they were officially prevent- presented with their Grade 1 uh, license, and uh, the the uh, their uh, Grand Prix sporting director, ex-Formula 1 driver Jan Lammers, uh, he called it uh, a milestone. Anyways, uh, Lammers had to say, quote, the last Grand Prix was held in 1985, and uh, we are now a certified track 
back again. We can be very proud of our facilities. This is a beautiful track with a legendary character, which is still the same. And we added some nice and surprising effect with the uh, bank corners. We couldn't wish for anything better. Uh, anyways, uh, Lammers uh, went on to say that uh, he, he's really hopeful that uh, Zandvoort will be able to host the, the Dutch Grand Prix open to fans uh, next May in 2021. Obviously, that uh, depends a lot on the pandemic uh, situation, how uh, you know things are going with COVID around the world and uh, at, at that time. And he said that he's also open to the idea of, uh, of uh, postponing the race or rescheduling it uh, to later in 2021 if it means that uh, you know they could get fans into the stands there. And you just know what we've seen at places like Spa in, in, in Austria, some of these uh, circuits that are closer to Holland that are, are, are you know easier and reasonable to, to get to. I mean, a lot of people can uh, drive to uh, to these countries from Holland. We used to do it all the time. When I used to, uh, lived in uh, Holland, we drove down to go to the Nürburgring. We drive down to France uh, to go skiing, to Austria, places like that. So it's entirely doable. You can do it within a day comfortably. And um, certainly, uh, you know, to, to have that, uh, that home support, all the Dutch fans in the stands cheering on Max Verstappen, that sea of orange uh, would uh, really uh, give a, a really cool atmosphere. It'd be very much uh, like Monza, but not red, orange. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a great idea if uh, they can uh, you know, postpone it. I, I think uh, obviously next year is going to be, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to uh, schedule next year, what they're going to do, how they're going to schedule it uh, and, and fit all these races in. And I think uh, that uh, it, it's going to be a work in progress as well. But, you know, they, they've, uh, they, they've got time to plan it now they've uh, they, they've got all these uh, health and safety protocols in place and if they can uh, you know piece together a, ske- you know, a schedule in a season like they have this year and all years then if the situation is better in 2021 and things have improved then uh, certainly i think uh, they'll be able to pull it together but sounds like uh, flexibility uh, might be the the name of the game Anyways, uh, speaking about uh, health and uh, safety protocols in uh, Formula One, they've uh, tweaked the rules and amended them slightly, which uh, allows all of the teams to have uh, 10 extra personnel in the paddock uh, starting uh, this weekend at the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa-Francorchamps. And this uh, actually um, uh, has to do with the return of the team's uh, own hospitality buildings that they have as a spa, which uh, they had to use uh, because uh, you know the temporary uh, facilities that have been uh, provided by the circuits and then the central catering uh, providers uh, that they had for the first uh, six uh, events. So, you know, uh, good to see that, uh, you know, that uh, these things that uh, have been, uh, you know, uh, amended and, uh, you know, uh, before they had this, uh, you know, 60 people associated with the operation uh, of, of the car and these curfew restrictions and then uh, they had uh, another uh, 20 uh, slots that uh, were for drivers team management physios marketing media anything uh, like that but now you know they're allowed to bump up that uh, that total number from uh, 80 people in the paddock uh, to, to 90 and uh, this uh, this number was uh, formally approved by the uh, the world motorsport council this week and added into the sporting regulations uh, for for this year so uh, good to, to to know i mean again these uh, health and safety uh, protocols uh, with COVID, uh, you know, obviously uh, our work in progress and, uh, you know, just like the uh, the situation at large, it's also uh, fluid and, uh, and changing, uh, but glad uh, to see that they can increase that because, I mean, it literally takes a small army of uh, people to, uh, you know, to to run a team in the Formula One uh, paddock on a, on a race, uh, race weekend. 
Anyways, uh, you know, let's switch gears now, uh, metaphorically speaking. Anyways, and let's uh, let's go back and talk a little bit more about uh, what was the big news last week, and that was uh, the the rather quiet and uneventful announcement uh, that all uh, ten teams had signed on to the the new Concord Agreement, uh, which uh, will be in place from 2021 to 2025. And Christian Horner, the team principal at Red Bull Racing, said that the uh, you know the talks that they had uh, with Formula One about the new Concord Agreement or what he uh, said uh, was, quote, relative, or pardon me, remarkably straightforward. And um, this allowed uh, Red Bull to be uh, the, the first team to uh, agree to the, the terms of the new agreement. And I still find this absolutely astonishing. But, you know, like I've said many times, you know, I'm of that uh, generation that uh, that any time that, uh, you know, there, there was any discussion about things like that, it seemed that uh, all the grievances were aired in public and uh, it sounded like it was always going to blow up and something was going to happen and we were going to have some sort of Mickey Mouse uh, competition series running in parallel that might be watered down or Formula One might become watered down. You know, ultimately it never happened, uh, but that talk was uh, around there for a long time. I guess uh, it was a, a bluff uh, more than anything or or maybe not. But, uh, you know, this uh, still really surprises me. I mean, the, this new management of Formula One under uh, Chase Carey and Liberty Media is very, very different uh, to, to Bernie Ecclestone in the 40 years that uh, he ran uh, Formula One. But I, th- I think it really is, uh, you know, very much like Christian Horner says, remarkable that uh, that this went off with, uh, you know, relatively uh, straightforward and without uh, too many hitches. Anyways, uh, Horner had to say, quote, uh, negotiations were lengthy, especially given the global challenges facing the sport. But in some respects, they were also remarkably straightforward in comparison with previous years. Negotiating with Bernie Ecclestone in the past was always good fun, but always a bit different. But Liberty were scrupulously fair with the negotiations and we were in fact the first team to sign it in Barcelona. You have to take a holistic view on these things. That is what the agreement was. That is what Chase Carey and Liberty Media were putting on the table. It was up to the teams to, uh, if they chose to take it or leave it. There was, of course, back and forth on certain points, and there are elements said that please some teams more than others. But in the end, everyone came to agree on the best way forward for the good of the sport, end quote. You know, like I say, that that is absolutely uh, amazing. But uh, now uh, Total Wolf, team principal at uh, Mercedes, has weighed in, and uh, he believes that this new Concord agreement is what he calls the biggest transition in the history of uh, Formula One uh, once uh, these uh, new uh, terms and everything that, uh, that that come into effect. Now, the you know, the... the the, the real core of this uh, new Concord uh, agreement is the more equal distribution of uh, prize money, which is uh, a, a real part of what uh, Formula One is trying to do to make this uh, sport more sustainable for the teams who are involved and also uh, more competitive and really even the playing field. So these revised commercial terms are going to work uh, alongside this uh, the, the new budget cap that is coming in uh, in, in 2021 is going to slowly uh, scale down over the, the, the next several years. And then the new uh, tech regs that uh, that were a delayed uh, introduction. They were going to come in next year as well, but what with COVID and everything, it was going to be tight regardless of the pandemic uh, situation. And wisely, they've uh, pushed it off a year, so they're they're going to be introduced finally in 2022. So, anyways, uh, Wolf uh, was uh, talking to just uh, you know in advance of the other the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend, and uh, he said that uh, he, he didn't actually think it was a big surprise to see all of uh, the the team sign up, and uh, he was also pleased to see that uh, the, the talks 
were actually uh, successful and uh, were brought to a, a conclusion. Anyways, uh, Wolf had to say about Mercedes uh, in particular, quote, we've always said we want to stay in F1, so the agreement wasn't necessarily all that surprising, but we're happy that we could bring the negotiations to a positive conclusion. We are committed to our sport and we're looking forward to the upcoming years, which we'll see the biggest transition F1 has ever seen. They will reward agile, open-minded teams who can adapt successfully to all the uh, demands of the new rules, end quote. And that I think is absolutely key. I, I think that uh, with less money to work uh, with and with all the changes coming in, I think teams are going to have to think outside the box uh, more than ever before. You just can't necessarily throw a ton of money at a problem if you have all the resources and try and uh, design and, and fix your way out of it. Uh, they're all going to be playing with the same amount of money. Uh, obviously, the, the, the bigger teams uh, might have uh, better facilities, but you've got teams like uh, Racing Point, a.k.a. Uh, Aston Martin, that have a new facility that is, uh, you know, uh, going to, is in production or in construction right now. Uh, I believe that uh, the date for the official opening has uh, been pushed back by a significant amount of time. But anyways, it's it's in the works and it, it's, it's going to be a big improvement on what Racing Point and uh, Force India uh, before had. And, you know, that's always the team that's, uh, like I've said uh, for many years on the show, have always punched above their rate uh, weight and done more uh, with less. But uh, anyways, it will be interesting to see how the teams use the resources and the money that they have at, uh, at their disposal and how they're going to uh, you know uh, do what they need to do to uh, to to be competitive to, to design and build cars and and race in formula 1 and i really really hope that they've they've nailed it uh, this time that the, the the combination of this cost cap uh, the the new rules and this uh, this uh, distribution uh, more equal distribution of the prize money is that that magic formula that they've really been looking for for especially over the past uh, several years that you know where they they fiddled around with it uh, you know, especially in the last year or so where they've uh, kind of tweaked uh, the, the, the regs here and there with downforce and stuff like that. I mean, the, these cars that they've, they have right now, I think they're improvement on the previous generation, but they still just haven't been able to find that that magic solution, you know, where where the cars are able to, uh, uh, you know, get closer together. You know, you don't have that big uh, disturbant, uh, you know, that's uh, kicked out by the aerodynamics, and uh, you know, still uh, restricts them, the you know, from really getting up on the uh, the, the gearbox of the the car in front of them, and 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 finding that uh, that that real sweet spot where they can uh, challenge more and have more overtaking. We've had very exciting races but at times uh you know the 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 cars still don't uh, allow for it so i'm really hoping that they've uh, discovered it uh, this time and that's uh, it's it's really going to work out so you know like i say uh it'll really be uh, put to the test uh over the next couple of years and we really won't know until uh, 2022 especially because uh, the cars that we're going to see next year are just a development of the cars that we have this year which are just a development of the cars that we had last year so 2022 i think is a, a reasonable time to see how it's working but it will be interesting to see next year the reduction in the uh, the amount of money that they can use and this token system that uh, that they're bringing back in how teams are going to use that so we'll see next year will be kind of an in-between year an interim kind of period but uh well it'll be kind of fun to watch over the next couple of years to see how these ideas uh you know really bear fruit and how it works in uh, reality. Anyways, uh, Haas uh, said uh, that uh, that this uh, you know this whole drive to level the playing field in Formula One to to find that uh, that uh, that equality and really strike that level ground is uh, the the big key for them to stay in Formula One. And uh, they're they're committed by, by signing on to 2025, which is great. Uh, you know, like I've said uh, for quite some time on the show, I think it's important to have an American team in Formula One. They've been disappointing, but 
you know, not everybody nails it uh, when they first come into Formula One, not, not even Mercedes. I mean, they had their moments, but it wasn't until 2014 when uh, they really got it uh, together and they, they haven't looked back since. I mean, could Haas be the next uh, Mercedes? Probably not. Well, maybe not under the, uh, you know, the, 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 the F1 world that uh, they've been in over the past uh, several years. But who knows under the new formula and really hoping to see more more action and more equality between the teams. And it would be fun to see more teams challenging for podiums and race wins and, uh, and ultimately for championships, uh, both for the drivers and the, the constructors. Uh, anyway, said uh, Gene Haas, who is the, the team owner of uh, Haas F1, uh, told uh, motorsport.com uh, this uh, week. Uh, he said, quote, I'm just kind of waiting to see how the season starts off. If we have another bad year, then it would not be that favorable to stay. Um, you know, so that that is... Uh, you know, that was uh, something, uh, you know, uh, when he said that uh, a little bit earlier this uh, weekend, or sorry, pardon me, earlier this year. Um, anyways, uh, Steiner, uh, Gunther Steiner, that is, the, the team principal, uh, he had to say, uh, quote, I guess Gene Haas looked at it and uh, Formula One still a very good tool for getting his brand name, Haas Automation, out in the world. It works, otherwise he wouldn't be doing it. He loves the sport as well. Even if it is a big financial commitment with the new regulations coming in, it should make the playing field more even and the commercial aspects better for the smaller teams so as a result he has decided to continue for me it means even at the moment when we're not running competitively we've got a formula One team which works and that's more down to the team than to me i'm part of the team though we all work together and in the end gene believes in the team everybody is for sure happy to be moving forward now with this agreement signed end quote anyways uh, steiner did go on uh, to say that uh, he believes that uh, the budget cap should uh, help uh, you know equalize and level the playing field and uh, he he really says that uh, it might not be the first year, but uh, he feels in the the, the midterm that uh, that is going to help, and the the the, the payments that are the, the part of this new agreement uh, is going to help uh, help it uh, as well, and uh, mean that uh, the smaller teams are going to get more revenue, they're going to get a bigger piece of the pie, and uh, you know it is what it is. He did go on also to say that it's never enough uh, for the small teams, but it should be better than it is now, and uh, really hoping uh, that uh, that that'll work out. But like I say, I'm I'm glad to see that they're sticking around in uh, in Formula One for the for the medium term, anyways, at least until 2025. Anyways, uh, time here for another break on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One. And well, there was some uh, news uh, this week and I'm kind of surprised that this um, didn't uh, drag out as long as maybe I thought it might be considering the the global ec- uh, economic situation. But uh, Williams, they have new owners and uh, this is, you know, the team has only been up uh, for sale or looking for investors uh, just for a, a very short uh, period of time, just uh, going into a, a couple of months. And um, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, so um, it's a U.S. investment firm called uh, Derilton Capital. And uh, there have been very few details um, that, that have uh, come out since this, uh, you know, this whole deal went through earlier this week. And uh, the, the one thing that has been uh, confirmed is that the team's name is not going to, you know, it's not going to change it uh, at all. Anyways, uh, it was also confirmed that uh, George Russell is going to be uh, staying with the team until uh, 2021. And uh, Russell had to say uh, earlier this week, quote, I spoke with Matthew Savage this morning, who's the chairman of the company. At the moment, they're in a full review of what changes need to be made, who will be forming the management side of the company. It's very positive news for Williams as a whole and everybody who works for the team and for both of us as drivers. Obviously, a slightly nervous 
nervy time previously, and I'm very pleased to see that the team is stable moving forward and that it's got a great company behind to help Williams put Williams back to where they belong, which is definitely higher up the grid. End quote. Uh, yeah, so that that's good to see. Um, he was also asked uh, in the interview uh, if he wanted to see the Williams family, so Claire and Sir Frank uh, still involved in the team. And uh, he said that uh, he realized that uh, the, the Williams family has uh, been a big, huge part of Formula One over the past uh, 30, 40 years, uh, if not longer. Uh, but he said the most important thing with the change of ownership is that the name and that side of things will be uh, continuing, which he felt was important. And uh, he also said that uh, he felt the Williams family would have not have sold uh, the, the team to somebody who they didn't uh, believe uh, would be, uh, well, ultimately beneficial for the team and where they're going to go in, in the future. So he also said that the the, the, the culture of the team will uh, not be changing from the historic side, but, you know, I guess uh, keeping the team name is uh, one thing, but uh, they, they've got to do something. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what's uh, going to be happening, uh, you know, when it comes to, to, to the management side, whether, you know, Claire Williams will stay as a team principal. I mean, basically, Sir Frank, I mean, he's, you know, he's getting old now. I mean, he's uh, basically stepped away from, uh, you know, the, you know the, the track side, you know, a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, let, uh, let Claire uh, run the team. But uh, they've, they've really, really struggled. I mean, it didn't just happen uh, overnight. It's obviously the, you know, the, the culmination of, uh, you know, things happening over a period of time. But uh, I certainly hope that uh, this is, uh, you know, a move in the right uh, direction for them. Now, uh, McLaren, who, uh, you know, are involved in a good many things outside of uh, Formula One, they've uh, decided to pull out of their uh, cycling uh, team after uh, 2020, and that is uh, Team Bahrain McLaren. And uh, so they're they're done at the end of this uh, year. I mean, this team is going to be uh, in uh, the Tour de France, which uh, gets going this uh, weekend. Uh, you know, they had long-term goals to stay in the sport. Uh, you know, they, they had some uh, high-profile signings in the team, uh, including uh, Mark Cavendish, for cycling fans who, who know that. Anyways, uh, um, the the financial uh, difficulties that have hit McLaren uh, because of the the coronavirus uh, pandemic have uh, really kind of uh, pushed them into making this uh, you know uh, this move, and uh, I guess it's not really uh, too surprising. It's unfortunate. Um, anyways, uh, there was a, a statement that was issued by the the cycling team that said, "quote Bahrain World Cycling, uh, sorry World Tour Cycling Team and McLaren, the British supercar maker and F1 team, today confirmed that McLaren will conclude its uh, title partnership of Team Bahrain McLaren at the end of the 2020 season." Season. Team Bahrain McLaren has worked together with the team's partners to maintain the team at the top level of pro cycling, both on and off the bike. The distinctive Team Bahrain McLaren colors have uh, ridden to a number of memorable victories so far in this COVID-19 interrupted season, including the Saudi Tour Paris-Nice, uh, the Circuito de Gexto, uh, the Route de Occitanie. Uh, the team thanks McLaren for its contrib- uh, contribution to the partnership and wishes it well as it returns to its focused to four-wheeled racing, end quote. So, yeah, unfortunate, uh, but uh, McLaren, uh, they, I think, you know, at some point you got to realize you got to focus on your core activities. And I think for them, obviously, that is uh, Formula One and their their car company. And as, uh, as positive and as good a thing it might have been, obviously, that, you know, that uh, gets away from uh, what they do. Uh, and, and certainly it would be a shame if, um, you know, they had problems because they've really made good progress in Formula One over the past uh, couple of years. And it would really be, uh, you know, a shame to see them, uh, you know, slide back out uh, or down from the progress that they've made uh, because of uh, financial uh, problems. Anyways, let's move now and talk about um, the driver's silly season. There's a lot going on here, a lot of names uh, being thrown out here. And uh, obviously, uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, is one of them. 
anyway, so before we talk about uh, Seb, the guy that, uh, you know, he's been speculated to, to replace is uh, Sergio Perez at uh, at uh, Racing Point uh, to become uh, Aston Martin next uh, year. A couple of weeks ago, Checo was saying that, uh, you know, if Seb is going to join the team for 2020, it would be uh, obvious who he's going to replace. And obviously, I think that makes a lot of sense uh, because, uh, you know, the, the team is owned uh, by Lawrence Stroll and his consortium. Lance Stroll, who is the son of Lawrence, is in the team. And Lance has had a fairly decent season so far. But, you know, the thing is, if uh, you get a driver like uh, uh, Sergio Perez and uh, Sebastian Vettel, Seb, uh, I think he would uh, bring some credibility and some uh, legitimacy and uh, some, uh, I, I think he, I mean, he's a different level driver, obviously, compared to Sergio Perez. And that's no disrespect. I mean, Sergio is a very capable uh, driver in Formula One. I think he's done well in the situations that uh, that he's been in. But obviously, Stroll and his, uh, and his group have put a lot of money into that team. I mean, he's brought Aston Martin into the mix. I mean, they've been... Been a you know a sponsor of Red Bull for the past couple of years, but now they're coming in as a manufacturer in their own right, and they're they're doing this uh, seriously. I mean, they're they're putting a lot of money into it, and I think getting a guy like a uh, Sebastian Vettel in that team would uh, would really do wonders for him. He's obviously a four time world champion, has won lots and lots of races. I mean, he's he's obviously had his struggles as well, but you know. That's still up in the air. I mean, uh, you know, it's been acknowledged uh, by Seb that he's had some loose discussions with them. Uh, Perez, uh, you know, has, has acknowledged that as well, of course. But uh, Perez has also said he's not talking to uh, any other teams in Formula One about a, a drive uh, for for next year, and he's uh, actually confident uh, that he's going to stay with the team uh, for 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 twenty twenty one. Anyways, uh, before the uh, you know the the, the uh, when they got to Belgium uh, this week, uh, Perez had to say. Quote, I think as I, it is, as I said before, a matter of time. I feel really happy in the team. I believe in the project. I've been here for a while and I can see that, that how the team is going upwards. We all feel internally that everything is working well. We don't see the reason why we should change anything. I don't see any reason to change. I don't think we're enjoying a great season on track. Oh, sorry, pardon me. I think we are enjoying a great season on track and I think team, things are working really well in the team. I don't expect any change. Of course, you know, we've heard other drivers say very similar things in in situations uh, before and then uh, only to, to have uh, other things uh, happen. Whether or not uh, this whole Sebastian Vettel uh, speculation, uh, you know, comes to anything that uh, remains uh, to, to be seen. I mean, there there are a couple of potential places uh, that, uh, that seats that look like they're opening up in Formula One for Seb, but I mean, to go from Ferrari down to uh, an Alfa Romeo or, uh, you know, a Haas, uh, you know, obviously that would be a real drop down for, for Sebastian Vettel. And I mean, he hasn't uh, really ruled out anything. He hasn't ruled out taking out a year, maybe moving, uh, you know, get, you know, moving to another team or maybe outright uh, retiring. I mean, only Sebastian will know that, uh, you know, ultimately what it is but uh, you know when it, when it comes to Sebastian Vettel he said he's he has no uh, you know plans to hire a manager and uh, th- this is in in light of the fact and or despite of the fact that uh, there is a lot of uncertainty in his future in in, in Formula 1 so you know there, there have been you know he was linked uh, you know a couple of times i mean he was speculated maybe he might be going you know there might be something going on at uh, Mercedes i mean uh, total wolf said a couple of months ago that uh, that would be something they would consider i mean Valtteri Bottas said that 
uh, that wasn't going to happen, uh, you know, and hinted that uh, he was going to get a deal, which ultimately that uh, was confirmed. There was uh, some, uh, you know, speculation maybe uh, with uh, with Red Bull that was tossed out there, even though uh, Christian Horner said that maybe uh, Sebastian might be a little bit too expensive. And obviously he's also got a bit of a history with, uh, with Max Verstappen, not in a good way. Anyways, um, Seb had an interview with uh, former uh, Grand Prix uh, driver Ralph Schumacher and also a fellow German. Anyways, uh, Seb had to say, quote, maybe it helps here and there, but I think that this is the path I've all, all, always taken. Some people come and go. There are a lot of people who pat you on the back, and a few weeks later, the same people are criticizing you. I've always been, I don't want to say uh, alone as, of course. You have people around you who support you, but I think uh, more important than perhaps creating the public opinion is that you know which people you can trust and whom you can build upon. I think I actually have a good and strong environment there. I'm still in good spirits and quite clear in my head. Just talking about uh, Ferrari. Um, and, uh, I've never been so dependent on what the, might be an external sit, uh, perception, what people think, what people say, thank God I've never been so dependent on that. I don't follow everything that's been written or said. Anyway, it's uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, it still seems like he's very undecided and not, uh, you know, not decided on what he's uh, going to do. He did also, uh, elaborate, uh, that, uh, he's not frustrated or demoralized at all, uh, despite, uh, you know, having the, the worst start in his, uh, to a season since uh, 2008. And uh, he said that, uh, you know, he, he, but he did meet, uh, also admit that he's uh, been in, in, in a happier place and, and it can't be, you know, uh, <laughs> can't be easy well, with the struggles that they've had. And as Seb had to say, quote, I don't think it is fair to label seasons or races. I know a lot of people that tend to say this was my best race or worst race or best performance or worst performance ever. I think it is quite difficult to make that statement because there, there have been uh, so many races. What Whatever the situation is, I'm sure I trust the people around me and the guys working on the car. I struggle because of a lack of confidence, and that confidence is a lack of grip. So it's not just that you feel uncomfortable driving the car when it is coming from somewhere. We are still trying to understand where it exactly comes from, but at the same time, we have to make progress, move on, and tackle it again. Yeah, I mean, he really has uh, struggled uh, with the uh, you know the, the the car this year, and uh, it, it has to be frustrating. But uh, despite all the uncertainty and uh, and the fact that uh, he is kind of in limbo, obviously he's out at the end of the year in uh, at Ferrari. It, it's it's got to be disappointing. Obviously, I looked at one point uh, that he might be the, the the best shot to win a world championship, uh, not only for himself but uh, for uh, for Ferrari for the first time in uh, in over a decade. I mean, it's been a long time since they won either a drivers or constructors at championship, but uh, that window is now closed, and uh, it just is not going uh, very good for him. Anyways, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, the Iceman. Uh, 40 years old. Uh, he's in his second uh, year of a two-year deal with uh, Alfa Romeo. And uh, he's admitted uh, that uh, that neither him... Well, we all knew that he was only on a two-year deal, but uh, he's also revealed uh, that uh, uh, that his teammate, uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, has uh, neither been confirmed for, for 2021. And uh, Kimi has also said that uh, he hasn't decided whether or not he's going to stick around in 2021 and, uh, and, and, and race again. It was uh, kind of uh, hinted at or speculated at the time when he moved to Alpha uh, for last uh, season after he had uh, raced at uh, Ferrari for a couple of years alongside uh, with uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel that uh, 2020 would be his la- last year and um, he said that uh, he's undecided right now he has to first of all decide what he wants to do and uh, figure out what's going on and uh, he said that uh, you know family uh, considerations are going to come into uh, you know come into that the, the, his family his kids and uh, he said uh, because of the situation uh, you know whether 
with, with COVID and everything, he hasn't been able to be at home as, as often he's like, or as he would like. And that's uh, been uh, difficult. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, you know, obviously just reading between the lines that, uh, you know, his, his family situation is going to be, uh, you know, a, a big thing. And then he was also asked if uh, he might uh, move, uh, you know, waiver or leave Alfa Romeo to leave uh, another, you know, room for, say, a younger driver to come in. Uh, you know, he, he said, uh, you know, <laughs> he was compared to whether or not, uh, you know, he would do for what, uh, you know, Mika Hakkinen did when he left uh, McLaren at the end of 2001. So Kimi could join. And uh, he, he uh, said that uh, he felt that uh, Hakkinen didn't leave uh, for him and uh, said that the reason he left McLaren at that time was uh, for, for other things uh, rather than uh, what happened at his uh, career. He said uh, he had a three-year uh, contract with uh, Sauber at the time, but uh, obviously going from Sauber in 2001 to McLaren when they were really at uh, you know at, at their peak in a really good uh, place at that time uh, was uh, was uh, quite the move. But also uh, you know the news that uh, Giovinazzi is uh, not uh, confirmed for for 2021. He said he had no news on uh, or or anything to reveal about what his future might be. But he also feels it might be a little bit uh, too uh, too early in the season because you know we only have half a dozen races under our belt and. Uh, he feels that um, as long as he's uh, competitive, uh, consistent, and doing everything he can in the car that he has, that things uh, might uh, wor- work out. All right, well, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Uh, don't go away. Be back in just a moment. All right. Well, sticking with the driver lineups, uh, Hass has uh, said that uh, that all options are sorry, all options are still open uh, for 2021 regarding their driver lineup of uh, Roman Grosjean and uh, Kevin Magnussen. And uh, team principal uh, Gunther Steiner admitted uh, he said that they're looking at everything and uh, they're looking at the drivers and they haven't made any decision, um, you know, to uh, what they're going to do. Uh, he he did go on to say that uh, he's not trying to be uh, evasive or avoid answering that uh, that question and uh, since that they've just uh, gotten all the, uh, the the talks and discussions and the, the whole process for the Concord Agreement uh, out of the way uh, that he hasn't actually spoken with uh, Gene Haas, the team owner, about uh, what they're going to do uh, with the drivers. He wants uh, Haas's input uh, on uh, what they're going to do with the drivers uh, for 2021, and uh, you know that that uh, that is a decision that uh, that they're going to make, and it's a discussion he's going to have with uh, Gene Haas uh, very very soon. You know, honestly, I think that uh, for, for me, I could have seen uh, you know Kevin. Matt Magnuson coming back this year, but uh, Grosjean, when he was confirmed for 2020, I kind of that you know that was a bit of a eyebrow raiser for me, especially when you had a guy like uh, uh, Nico Hulkenberg who was uh, available uh, after the end of last year after he lost his seat at Renault to make way for Esteban Ocon. And, um, you know, he actually obviously didn't get a, a seat in, in Formula One this year. Yeah. And Hulkenberg, uh, you know, just to mention him, uh, you know, he yeah, obviously did very well in those uh, two races where he filled in uh, for uh, Sergio Perez uh, in, uh, for, for the two races at Silverstone uh, earlier this month. Um, he's, you know, he did say that he'd been talking with uh, different teams, but, uh, you know, because of that, um, but he said that he has no interest in taking on a, a role as either a test driver or reserve driver in Formula One. And uh, you you can see why. I mean, he, he's done pretty decent when he's been in Formula One. Um, and, and why would you do that uh, just to, you know, get a reserve driver role? I mean, th- those roles are great for guys like Marcus Erickson, maybe like a, a Pascal Verlein, you know, guys, guys like that. But I think uh, Nico Hulkenberg is 
is uh, is too uh, too good for a job like that. So I mean, if he can uh, maybe get uh, you know a, a race seat again, and it looks like uh, there are some of these uh, you know possibilities. Like I said, uh, you know Aston Martin is one, although that seems to be uh, you know down to uh, to two guys, uh, you know uh, Perez and Vettel. You know, just uh, you know from from what you take from all of that, so it would be either Haas or maybe Alpha or Male. So we'll keep our eye open and see whether or not uh, you know we we see Nico Hulkenberg back, back in Formula One for 2021. Anyways, um, uh, let's talk now about uh, Max Verstappen. Jensen Button, a former Formula One uh, driver and uh, world champion, he says that uh, Max Verstappen is annihilating teammates in in, in a manner that that we have not seen since uh, the times of uh, guys like Ayrton Senna and Michael uh, Schumacher. So he hasn't actually been beaten by his uh, teammate in the standings since he uh, he was uh, paired up with uh, Danny Ricciardo back in 2017. And then uh, even that year, he out-qualified Danny Rick uh, 13-7 in in, uh, in that year. So, uh, you know, the last year, he um, Max out-qualified his uh, teammates uh, 15-5, to and that was the, uh, the, the combo of uh, Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon. And uh, so far this year, Max Verstappen has uh, out-qualified his uh, teammate Alex Albon all six times and finished ahead of him in in the in, in the race in every single uh, race that they've kind of competed uh, so far anyways uh, button had to say quote you compare him to his uh, teammates the last two years he has just annihilated them i haven't seen that in the in motorsport for a very long time probably back to the Ayrton senna days and michael schumacher days i don't think that there's been a driver that's annihilated their teammate like he has in a very long time he's doing an exceptional job i would love to see him go up against lewis hamilton in championship fight those two top of their game is all it's all what we want to see is it ever going to happen i don't know end quote absolutely i i'd love to see lewis and and max fighting it out uh, for for the world championship but you know the the, the gap between the, the the red bull and the mercedes at the moment is uh, just a, a little bit uh, too much i mean uh, max did a great job to win that race at silverstone the other week and certainly did uh you know an, an excellent job managing his tire i mean the team strategy was uh you know, worked out as well uh you know even though that max kind of pushed it a little bit but you know it's he said you know he's done well where he's needed needed to i mean he's ahead of the Valtteri Bottas in the in the in the championship who certainly hasn't done any uh, favors uh, to himself with some of the, the the bad starts that he's had in Spain and in Hungary and, and I mean he's he's lost touch now with uh, Lewis Hamilton but whether or not uh, Max can close that gap to Lewis remains to be seen doesn't seem likely but hey you never knew never know pardon me uh, anyways um uh, the uh, helmet Marco, the Red Bull's motorsport uh, advisor, says that Alex Albon is actually doing a better job than uh, many people would think, and uh, and and doing better than the results that he's had so far this year actually, uh, you know, actually suggest. And he actually has uh, said that he's actually as fast and as quick as uh, Max Verstappen through the fast uh, cor- uh, corners. Uh, so uh, Marco was talking about uh, at Silverstone, uh, Albon was the quickest uh, guy on the track at some point of uh, both of those races across. Uh, both weekends and he says that this shows potential that uh, you know if he can uh, actually get this uh, one lap uh, form uh, and bring it away from a Saturday and uh, apply it to, to a Sunday and you know he's had some issues with the car as well but uh, you know uh, it, it it's 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 a bit of a difficult one, I guess. Uh, maybe when you're in the know in the team and you can see some of this data, but certainly uh, when you you see how uh, you know just did you know 
disproportionate the the results are in qualifying in the race. Um, you know, it, it isn't translating yet, but obviously they think he has a potential. I mean, Gasly's actually doing pretty good in the uh, the Alpha Tauri, and of course he was the guy that he replaced uh, last year. But Red Bull is an you know an interesting one because they have uh, Alpha Tauri or previously Toro Rosso is kind of that development junior team. And I kind of wonder how long the likes of Danny Kvyat and uh, Pierre Gasly will stick with that team. They're obviously good enough to be in Formula One, but, you know, they got other younger drivers in the system. And, uh, you know, the, the, the whole goal is to try and, try and feed these guys up through the team to get to, the you know, the, the big team to Red Bull Racing. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, go, goes and uh, who sticks and who comes up uh, through the system. But uh, ultimately it comes down to results. And even though he might be uh, matching Max uh, for for speed on certain corners on certain tracks i mean you got to do it over the course of an entire lap and not just one lap but over the the the, the entire race and uh, and qualifying so you know a lot of work for him to do but he, it looks like he's got uh, potential but again the big question is how long are they going to wait for that uh, potential uh, to develop Anyways, uh, moving back to brake duct gate. That's a bit of a, a, a mouthful. Anyways, uh, Renault has requested uh, a withdraw uh, with uh, a withdrawal of their uh, uh, racing point appeal, and uh, they they want to do that. Um, you know, it's just this long drawn out uh, saga. Anyways, uh, Renault had released a statement this week that said, "Quote: Beyond the decisions, the matter at issue were were vital to the integrity of Formula One, both during the current season and the future. However, intensive and constructive." work between the FAA, Renault DP World F1 team, and all the Formula 1 stakeholders has led to concrete progress in safeguarding the originality in the sport by way of amendments to the sporting and technical regulations planned for the 2021 racing season, confirming the requirements to qualify as a constructor. Uh, reaching the strategic objective in the con- context of the new Concord Agreement was our priority. The contra- uh, controversy of the start of the season should now be put behind us as we need to focus on the remainder of an intense and unique championship, end quote. So I, I guess hopefully that uh, that means this is uh, finally uh, behind us. Um, you know, it kind of uh, was getting a little bit uh, ridiculous, it seemed. Uh, I, I, it almost seemed inevitable. I mean, uh, uh, Racing Point really turned a lot of heads uh, when we got to, to Barcelona with the pink uh, Mercedes. And uh, it seemed like even then that uh, it was always likely a protest was going to come at some point, And ultimately it did. And uh, it started to get a little bit uh, repetitive. But I'm glad that they, uh, you know, they, they found, uh, you know, found a resolution to it. And I hope that means uh, that, that there will not be any more uh, protest and this, uh, this matters uh, put uh, behind us. Anyways, the, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, uh, restriction, uh, clamp down, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, on, on car copying in F1 is uh, going to have a uh, zero impact on, uh, their business model at uh, racing point. That's according to, uh, Otmar Safnauer, the, the, the team principal. Anyways, I mean, this has really been a, a real, you know, big uh, controversy uh, on both sides, uh, both for, uh, you know, Racing Point to maintain that uh, they, they've done this all themselves. And uh, they uh, basically reverse engineered uh, Mercedes uh, concept and uh, they, they weren't as successful with the car. Initially, they, they went back uh, before they made forward progress. And they, they maintain they did nothing wrong. Anyways, uh, Safnauer had to say, quote, I don't think it changes our business model at all. We're not the most effective team. We've got 500 employees. 
the reason we don't have seven or 800 like some of the bigger teams is uh, we lack in-house manufacturing. But if you just compare us to everyone else in design development, aero personnel, we are the same. We are the same as the big teams. It has zero impact. We've always been a constructor from the days of Jordan to the days of Racing Point and everywhere in between. We've got the capability of designing, developing, and constructing all of our own components. It will have zero impact on our business model. If the rules become more clear, we will stay within the bound of those rules. Absolutely no problem. End quote. So there you go. Anyways, uh, let's uh, take a, a look now at um, you know just a, a couple of things that uh, might come in uh, for the uh, we might see at uh, the the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. So um, the well, this is uh, nothing new, uh, but uh, the FIA are going to be uh, policing the the, uh, the track limits and uh, be uh, strict of that. Uh, we've seen that uh, quite a bit uh, over the uh, you know the the, the races uh, this year. Um, anyways, uh, race director uh, Michael Massey uh, was uh, pretty strict and said that it will be only uh, three exceptions uh, before uh, you know for each driver before they're reported to the the stewards, rather than uh, three for each of the corners, and that's uh, turn four and turn nine and turn nineteen at uh, at Spa. They'll be uh, shown the black and white flag, and then any uh, corner cutting after that uh, will be reported to the stewards, and then uh, you know you could get the the, the five second time penalty or, or whatever. So um, th- this is something we've seen. Uh, several times uh, so far this year and it's like I say it's not really uh, you know a big surprise that they're going to do this again this weekend so also numerous teams have uh, brought uh, new lower uh, downforce ring uh, wings to a uh, Belgian Grand Prix uh, it, you know they're going to try and boost their straight line uh, performance and top speed uh, so uh, Haas is one of these teams that are going to be uh, you know trying out this uh, no uh, sorry uh, th- this new wing as our uh, McLaren and so this uh, engine uh, mode clampdown is uh, you know, going to be uh, coming to effect. And uh, the technical uh, directive was uh, finally issued last week uh, to confirm the new uh, engine mode uh, restrictions, which uh, have actually been pushed back a week. They were going to come in this weekend for Belgium. They've been now uh, uh, delayed a week until uh, Monza next weekend. So they make reference to the fine print, which is uh, Appendix 4 of the, the, the Formula 1 sporting re- uh, regulations. And this uh, co- uh, covers the, the, the power unit uh, uh, period that runs up uh, until 2025. And uh, the rules also specify that manufacturers can request uh, FAA approval for upgrades for what they call, quote, reliability, safety, cost-saving, car installation, and supply issues. End quote. So uh, there you go. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what uh, what it does. I mean, this uh, this uh, engine mode uh, clampdown. Uh, you know, there's some speculation uh, by uh, the Mercedes that that was uh, an attempt to kind of slow them down or reel them in because of this party mode that they have that really gives them a va- advantage, especially in qualifying. And both uh, Total Wolf and uh, Lewis Hamilton were quite uh, dismissive of that. That uh, you know, it might actually work to their advantage rather than uh, disadvantage. So anyways, uh, let's just t- take a quick look now. The Spa-Francorchamps, uh, obviously it has uh, been at the home of the Belgian Grand Prix for a good many years. It is a seven kilometers, just a hair over, 7.004 kilometers long or 4.532 miles, 44 laps, which gives us a 308.05 kilometer race distance or 191.41 miles. Uh, last year, we had an attendance of 200 
151,000 uh, fans, just shy of 252,000. Uh, pole position uh, was uh, Charles Leclerc. Fastest lap was his teammate uh, Sebastian Vettel, who set a, a fastest lap of a 146.409. Compare that to, to Charles' uh, pole lap of 142.519. And we had a, a podium of Charles Leclerc, Lewis Hamilton, uh, and Valtteri uh, Bottas. And, well, it's unlikely that uh, we will uh, see uh, Charles winning the race uh, this weekend. But, you know, uh, we, we never, you, you never know uh, because uh, it, it could be a bit of a wet race. I'm just looking now at uh, the, the, the temperatures and the forecast. Saturday at about, uh, it's looking like uh, about you know, mid-afternoon, it's looking to be about 17 degrees or 62 Fahrenheit, uh, sunny and cloudy. So not, uh, you know, not bad. But if you look at uh, you know the race on uh, sorry on 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 Sunday, uh, it looks like it might be a bit of a, a of a wet ra- you know it could be a, a wet race you know they're they're talking about uh, fifty well about sixty percent chance of uh, precipitation, fairly low temperature fourteen degrees Celsius or fifty eight degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, well you know wouldn't that be nice to to have a a wet race and see if uh, you know that kind of throws a bit of a, a twist into it and see some of these guys that are good uh, wet weather drivers and uh, see if we can get uh, a little bit of uh, unpredictability uh, uh, in there. Anyways, um, you know, it is, uh, it's is—it's one of my favorite uh, races, uh, you know, of the year. Really looking forward to it. And just uh, before I go, let's just uh, quickly run down the, the the top five drivers in the, the uh, Drivers' uh, Championship. Uh, of course, Lewis Hamilton still leading the way with, uh, after six races, 132 points. Uh, Max Verstappen uh, second uh, with 95. Valtteri Bottas, uh, six points adrift with 89. Then you have Charles Leclerc and Lance Stroll from Racing Point rounding out the top five. And then on the constructor side, you have, uh, pardon me, where did uh, I leave my notes? <laughs> Here we go. Uh, on the, the driver's side, we have uh, Mercedes, Red Bull, uh, Racing Point, McLaren, and then uh, Ferrari rounding out uh, the top five in the constructors. But just look at the big gap. Ferrari, 61 points combined uh, from uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, Sebastian Vettel through the first six races of the year. Compare that to, to Mercedes at the top of the constructors, 220 point, 21 points. Absolutely uh, mind-blowing. And uh, it's very much a, 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 a very, very different story for both of those teams. But that's it. That's all the time I got for tonight. Thank you so very much for, uh, for downloading, listening to the show. Thank you for hanging in there and uh, and coming back again. And that's a wrap for episode 192 for those of you who have uh, been counting. That uh, kind of blew my mind uh, when I looked at it this week. I keep a count uh, each and every uh, week, uh, but uh, kind of uh, kind of really sank in that we've almost hit uh, 200 uh, episodes since uh, 2016. And we've uh, pretty much been here week in, week out, except for the, uh, the, the time that we take off over the, uh, the, the Christmas and holiday period at the end of the year. And well, I mean, Formula One is it, right, guys? It's 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 what we love, what we like to talk about, and what we uh, you know what we look forward to on Sunday afternoons. So, uh, having said that, enjoy the Belgian Grand Prix on Sunday. Plenty to come back and do a race report on Sunday evening. So look out for that. Enjoy the race, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.
Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.